Okay, so uh, guys, I'm super excited about this sermon series. We're, I've titled it Suggestion Box. We're looking uh, at the, the book of Habakkuk. It's not a book that I personally have maybe ever seen a sermon series on. I'm not the first one to ever do it. Uh, you could just Google sermon series on Habakkuk and you'll find hundreds of them. Uh, but it's just something that I don't remember hearing, probably because I didn't listen that well when I was younger. Uh, and probably because I don't listen that well unless I'm the one preaching, let's just be honest. So that's the reason I feel like God has called me to ministry in part. So uh, I will pay attention. But I'm really excited about this sermon series. It's going to be a little different than ones that we've done in the past, just because um, I would say that this will be a little bit more exegetical, meaning we're going to go through the scripture. We're going to break it down verse by verse. We're going to uh, look at kind of the background and and kind of see what Habakkuk has for us. But Habakkuk is a really interesting book, and I'm probably going to get tired of saying Habakkuk at some point, and I'll just refer to him as H. Uh, or the book of H. And if I say that, know that I'm saying Habakkuk because every time I say it, I feel like I'm choking. But uh, we don't know much about Habakkuk other than the fact that he lived and ministered around the same time as Jeremiah. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah. He was considered a godly man. And really outside of his book with his name, we don't hear or see a lot about him. Now, It's believed that he lived during the end of Josiah's reign and probably wrote this book somewhere around the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign, which would have been around 605 to 609 BC. Now, I know that's all really, really interesting to you. It is written near the end of uh, Jehoiakim's reign, like I said, and it was written on the front side of uh, um, kind of in, uh, not the front side, more of, it is written like, in the middle of this captivity where Habakkuk is like looking for, then that's not true. What am I saying? It's written on the front side. This is one of the confusing things about Habakkuk. It's written on the front side of a captivity uh, where Habakkuk is looking around Israel and just seeing all of this sin and all of this corruption and wondering what God is going to do about it. God, what are you going to do about it? And it's kind of this message where God's like, well, be prepared because this captivity is coming. Now, this is a little different uh, than other prophetic books because it's not like Habakkuk is delivering this message straight from God to the people. It's really a recording of the conversation that Habakkuk has with God and God's response back to him. And so we're going to be looking at that as we go throughout this series. Um, What we see in this book is something that I personally consider quite, uh, frankly, beautiful. Uh, It's it's an honest and open conversation between a prophet and and God. As I said, Habakkuk kind of sees evil everywhere he looks, and as we'll see to him, God is seemingly nowhere to be found. And out of that conflict comes a freeing look, to me, a very freeing look at our communication with God. How can we as believers, how can we as someone in a relationship with God talk to God. Because I don't know about you, but I've always, at least growing up in church, and I don't know who really gave me this opinion, and maybe it was just kind of hearing some of the stories as I grew up where I started to think about God as like the ant bully, right? Like we're the ants, and he's got the magnifying glass, and uh, if we do too much wrong, he's going to kind of redirect the light at us and uh, make us burn a little bit, right? Like that's kind of the view of God that I've had throughout my life, where God is this punisher, and you don't question God, and you don't ask God things and you just listen and you do and you fall in line because if not, like Bruce Almighty, smite me, Almighty Smiter, God will strike you down. 
but that is not God. And Habakkuk is one of those books that shows us that, and that's why I'm super, super excited about it. So now that we have some of that background, let's dive in. We're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 1 today, verses 2 through 4, which say, how long, this is Habakkuk addressing God, also known if you open up your Bible and you look at those headings, it usually says something along the lines of Habakkuk's first complaint which would tell you that there's going to be another one. But Habakkuk's first complaint. So he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteousness so that the justice is perverted. Now, Habakkuk begins by expressing a feeling that I know that I personally have been through before and I would expect that you at some point in your life have felt as well. The frustration of feeling like you are calling out to God you are seeking God in a situation, and he appears not to answer. And not just not answer, he just appears to not be there at all. It's like he's not even listening to us. Now, these words, as we said, were most likely expressed during Jehoiakim's rule. That's important because Jehoiakim was ambitious, he was cruel, and he was corrupt, and as is the case with most leaders, his people began to fall in line with his behavior. They began to reflect his behavior and their dealings with their neighbors and with their countrymen. And so they too were ambitious and cruel and seeking uh, to, to, to harm their neighbors by not acting appropriately or in a godly manner. And so violence... We see here in scripture, Habakkuk cry out to God, violence. This is a anguished yell, an anguished yell, punctuated with an exclamation mark. This is a grievance. I see violence, and yet you do nothing about it. You do nothing about it. I'm surrounded by violence. Violence fills my days. It consumes my mind. It's all around me. How long, God, do I have to put up with this? How long do I have to deal with this? It is injustice. It is not right. You make me dwell among it. You make me see it. You make me partake in it. And yet, I don't want any of this. I'm calling out to you. I'm crying out to you for deliverance. Why aren't you bringing salvation? Why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you helping? Now, I don't know about you, but to me, to hear somebody talk to God in this way, like I said earlier, is very freeing. It shows me the realness of the relationship that I can have with him, that it doesn't always have to be roses and, and, and a prairie with wildflowers where we prance around and we hold hands and we talk about how cool and awesome God always is. No, sometimes a tornado comes through and rips the flowers up out of the ground. 
And maybe you want to know where God is in that moment and why he doesn't appear to be acting on your behalf even after you've cried out to him, even after this situation continues to unfurl and it's continuous and it just goes on and on and on and you're crying out and you're seeing all this wrongdoing and you just want to know where God is. I can speak to God in that way. You can speak to God in that way. But there is something I do want to point out about Habakkuk, and that is his tone. That's his tone. When we question God, it's all about tone. You see, genuine concern is different from reverent accusation. Genuine concern is different from reverent accusation. Truly being concerned about where God is and how he's moving and what he's doing and why he isn't answering is something that we can always approach God with. But reverent accusation is the stuff that kind of gets you the smite me almighty smiter treatment. When I think about that reverent accusation, I often think about Jonah, right? Jonah was sent to a group of people to go minister to them and they were jerks. That's the simplest way to put it. And he didn't want to minister to them. He didn't want them to find forgiveness. He wanted them to be punished. But God had sent them to go and tell them, hey, this punishment is coming your way because of what you've done. And Jonah didn't want to do it. And he gets angry with God. And there's this accusation of why would you want to save these people? And we have a thing where Jonah is getting shade from the plant and God causes it to wither and he gets hot and he gets angry and God asked him, Jonah, why are you angry about the plan? Is it under your control? Is this your creation? Did you have anything to do with this? And Jonah has to admit, no, it's not my creation. I didn't have anything to do with it. And God says, so too are these people. They're not yours. They are mine. They're, they're mine to care for. They're mine to do with what I please. And I want you to go and warn them that they need salvation. But that type of accusation that Jonah presents to God is one out of reverent anger. He thinks that he is better than, and therefore they should not receive. And sometimes when we are facing trials, sometimes we're in the, when we're in the midst of a battle, when we're angry, that's how we approach God. I'm dealing with something right now that I do not deserve. Why are you making me do this? Because I don't deserve it. That's not Habakkuk's approach. Habakkuk's approach is, I'm looking around at my countrymen, I'm here in Judah, and all I see is violence and corruption, and I'm calling out on you, God, to fix this. I know that you're the solution. I know that you're the answer. We're not doing it ourselves. Please act. Please come. Please move. Why haven't you done so? It is genuine concern. In Hebrews 4.16, we're told, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is a verse that we read a couple weeks ago. Maybe you remember. But we can have confidence that help will come when we approach the throne with the right attitude. We can have confidence to be open and honest with God as well because we know that grace is there to be had. And Habakkuk continues to be open and honest with God in verse 3 when he asks the question, why do you make me see this injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? You guys ever felt like that before? God, why are you tolerating this? Why are you tolerating this? 
Maybe you yourself in your life, you're trying to do everything the right way. You're trying to follow God. You're trying to lead where he's guiding you. You're trying to obey. Maybe it's something that doesn't even specifically have to do with you. It's just a situation in our world that you look on and you think, there is so much evil there. How could a good and loving God tolerate this wrongdoing? How can he allow this to happen? This is a question that we as Christians ask a lot. It's also a question that we as Christians mockingly get asked a lot. If your God is so good, then where is he? If your God is so good, then why did those people have to die? If your God is so good, why does he stand for evil and corruption? If he's in control of everything, then why is this happening? And we have scriptural explanations for some of those things, for most of those things, if we'll dig in and if we'll look. But we're not focusing on just that right now. That's actually going to be next week when God responds to Habakkuk's first complaint. Now we're just looking at how we get to complain sometimes. But we get asked that question a lot, and we, we ask that question too. Our claim is that God is good. And Habakkuk's complaint is based off of that foundation. He knows, he feels, he's been taught, he has seen that God is good. He is a godly man. He knows that God is good. So the fact that there's so much not good happening seems to be absolutely against his character and what he would stand for. So why is all of this not good? Why is all of this wrongdoing being tolerated? Habakkuk just can't seem to wrap his mind around why God is seemingly uncaring. And maybe you felt that way before too. My hope today is that you can relate to Habakkuk's comments this morning, that you can put yourself in his shoes, that you can apply this to the situations you face in life where it feels like God was nowhere to be found, where it feels like God hasn't answered you, where it feels like God isn't for you and that he might just not even care at all to show you that you can ask God about those things, that you can cry out to God in anguish over those situations, that you can wonder why and that that is perfectly okay. It is perfectly okay. Habakkuk's word here are similar to Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah, his contemporary here around the same time, experiencing the same thing. In verse 28 of Jeremiah, he says, Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. The word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. All Jeremiah seems to be able to speak of is the violence and destruction that he's facing that's going on in his world They're seeing the same thing. They're seeing the same thing. And to make matters worse, those that are supposed to be keeping the peace, those that are supposed to be righting the wrongs, those that are supposed to be bringing justice are corrupted. Remember his words, while strife and conflict abounds. Our last verse, Habakkuk 1 verse 4 He says, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous so that justice is perverted. What's happening in this day and age? We've talked about it. There's so much violence. There's so much injustice. There's so much wrongdoing. People are not treating their neighbors as they would treat themselves. They are just evil. 
There's, there's pure evil. Everywhere they look, there's evil. It seems like every day there's new evil. And Habakkuk crying out to God says, you've even put people in place that are supposed to help us. They're supposed to bring us justice, but it's paralyzed. You, you provided people for us that you wanted to fight for us, but they're not. What's happening is that these wealthy landowners in Judah are controlling the courts through bribery. They're paying off the judges. So when an accusation is brought against them, they stole my land, they stole my crop, they stole my this, they stole my that. They're saying, no, I didn't. It's probably more like a pouch of coins, more than like a dollar bill. No, I didn't. He's right, and he didn't do it. Right? And so there's no justice. There's no righteousness. The wicked, him in the righteous. The wicked are sowing in the righteous. They are corrupting that which is righteous. Micah 7.3 says, Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. That is what Habakkuk is seeing. You feel like you see that sometimes in our day and age? See that sometimes in our world? Where those that should be protecting us, those that are supposed to be fighting for us, are allowing the bribes and the influence to affect their decision making? Why would God put up with that? Why would he allow that to happen? Why is there injustice? Why is there wrongdoing? This law, which is meant to protect, has now become paralyzed by corruption. Those that should be righteous have a wicked hymn sown in them like a weed amongst the grass. If you know anything about grass, the minute you get one weed, you don't get rid of that sucker as soon as it shows up. You're soon going to have a lot more weeds. One day you're going to have more weed than you do grass. To the point where your yard looks like mine and it's nothing but clover and dandelions. <laughs> I'm trying to convince my neighbors it's actually pretty. What are we supposed to do with this when justice goes to the highest bidder? When the people we love most don't seem to be protected. When it seems like everyone else is out for old number one and could care less about their neighbor, could care less about their countrymen, could care less about what happens to you or me as long as they are just fine. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at this world, I see similarities to Habakkuk's circumstance. Violence everywhere. From Uvalde to Ukraine. There is violence everywhere. Our children are dying. Our people aren't being protected. Those that are supposed to protect them aren't doing their job. I'm glad that I don't have to answer some of these questions that are out there before some of these people that have to make these decisions, but We've got to do something, right? We've got to do something. There's corruption and conflict, they abound. 
I haven't seen a time in my life, I, I'm, granted, I'm 32 years old, but I don't know of a time in my life where things have been more polarized in this country. There is no middle ground. Middle ground got nuked. It doesn't exist. You're on one island or the other. And if you're trying to swim out in the middle, good luck. You're going to get dumped on by both islands. Our world is a dirty and disgusting place. Sin abounds. Violence and corruption are everywhere we look. When we serve this good God, but where is he in this time? Where is he in this time? Habakkuk couldn't see him. He didn't understand. And maybe today you sit out there in the crowd and you're in the same spot. You struggle to see God. You just don't understand how this God that we talk about each and every week, about how good and loving and gracious he is, could allow such evil and corruption to take place. And maybe you're scared to ask him. Maybe you don't think that you can approach him. Maybe you don't think he cares enough to even listen to you. Maybe you don't think that you going to him will do any good. It won't change anything. Are you willing to have an authentic enough relationship with God to go to him in these times in your life where you don't think he's there? And if you're not, what is your relationship with God? What is your relationship with God? These are some hard questions to ask. There's some hard questions to answer. Because maybe you grew up like I did. You grew up in churches where you were taught not to question. You were taught that his ways are not like your ways and they're so far above your thoughts that you can't comprehend. And I'm not saying that's not true, but maybe you were taught to just take that at face value and not have that relationship with God where you can ask why or what are you doing? Why did this happen? What are you doing about it? Where are you now? Why aren't you answering? Why aren't you listening? Do you even care? These are questions that you can ask God. These are questions that are signs of a strong relationship with God. And we're going to see that in this series, that you can both question God and have unwavering faith. We don't put those two together, but Habakkuk will do that for you. Next week, we take a look at God's response to Habakkuk's first complaint. And I hope you're here. I hope you're here because if you just came, and if you're not here, listen to it on Facebook or it'll be on YouTube or like listen to it because if you don't hear the response, okay, the complaint doesn't really do us a lot of good. We've got to have both aspects of that. Give God his chance, right? Give God his due. And I think that you'll see what Habakkuk comes to realize that even in those times where violence abounds and corruption is everywhere and it seems like God is uncaring and we can't make heads or tails of what's happening in our world because there's just so much danger and so much destruction and so much sin that God 
is very much there and he is very much active. So be here next week for God's response to Habakkuk's, I see I can't even say it, H's first complaint. Be here next week for that. Until that time, all those questions that you've played through in your mind that you were worried about God maybe somehow knowing, here's a hint, he knows, but all those questions that you want to ask but you won't quite ask because you're fearful to, Maybe write some down. Maybe spend some time in prayer this week asking God those questions. Not from a place of reverent accusation because you didn't deserve it or you were too good for it or whatever else. I'm not even making arguments about that. But start to write down some of those questions and out of genuine concern, for where God was or what God was doing, begin to pray through those things this week. And then come back, like I said, next week for God's response. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you so much for your word and for the revelation that continues to pour out from it to us. You are a God who craves an authentic loving relationship. And part of that authentic loving relationship is having the courage to have real communication with you, to lay out before you what it is that is holding us back from strengthening our relationship with you, from going deeper with you. All of those things that we've held on to that are corrupting our soul that are taking our headspace and warping the way that our mind views you because we haven't had the confidence or we haven't felt like we've been given permission to come before you and to just lay it all out on the line. God, I would ask that you start to inspire within us the courage to open up, that you would help us understand that your love and your grace does not disappear just because we need an explanation. Father, as we go throughout this sermon series, I pray that you would help us to see who you really are and that you are always moving, you are always acting, you are working on our behalf, even in ways that we cannot see it, even in things that should have never happened to us, that when we face evil, when evil is acted out upon us, that while you didn't control that evil, you can take that evil and the, the magnificence of you, the power of you is that you can work it for our good and for the good of those around us. That's a hard pill to swallow. But I hope and I pray that you would lead us to the place where we feel like we can be just super honest with you. Inspire that within all of us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
I'm going to be back over here off to I'm going to be back over here off to your left. If you need to come pray with me this morning about anything, please do so. Uh, I want to pray with you. I've told you that before, but I I am telling you that I want to share in your burden. I want to share in your trouble. Uh, It is something that uh, God has blessed me with. I have really broad shoulders, uh, figuratively and quite literally. Uh, God has done that for me so that I can share in that burden with you. It is not of myself. It is a gift from him. And I'm telling you that I want to share in your trouble. I want you to be on my mind. I want to pray for you throughout the week and the upcoming weeks and months and years. If you have something that you just need to get off your chest, please come see me. Otherwise, stand and let's finish today just giving God that offering of worship this morning.